So hello and welcome to another episode of the Full Time Whistle podcast. My name's George. We're back again with the main show today. Um, I'm joined by Luke and Vito today. Luke, first of all, how are you? Yep, good, mate. Looking forward to another episode. So, yep, let's go, let's go for it. Perfect. Vito, how are you? Awesome, awesome. As in, ready for this? Are you sure? After yeah. this weekend? I mean, to be fair... In, at least Inter did all right. At least yeah, I'm trying to block out other bits. Just, just, just block out the uh, the whole English side of things. Um, but yeah, we're going to be covering a few things today. Obviously, going through all of the Premier League matches, um, cutting a little bit into Europe as well, and looking at some of the European matches. Specifically, we're going to be focusing, I think, on Serie A, uh, considering we've got Vito involved today, and we are going to be expanding and talking a little bit more about the Serie A title race as well in future videos. So. That's something to look forward to for everyone who wants to follow a bit of European football, uh, a bit of Italian football at least. So I think there's only one place we can really kick off, Luke. Um, the match obviously tonight on the night that we're recording, Manchester City 2, Liverpool 2. Is that the biggest game of the season, do you reckon? Yeah, it has to be. Is. If there was a, a final as such for the Premier League, it was that, wasn't it? And unfortunately, it was a draw. I'd, I'd like to have seen, seen a winner and... Preferably, I'd like to have seen City win. I think I'd, I'd edge with them winning the league over Liverpool if I had to choose. But um, what a game. It, it was so good. It was end-to-end. It was like a game of basketball, wasn't it? it was just I just didn't want it to finish, to be honest. And Yeah, I, th- I think it was just exactly what you expected, I think. Just end-to-end. And I think sometimes these games can be built up quite highly and then it's like nil-nil. But it, it was just, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, like I was saying to you before, it kind of it struck me that it could be one of those games. I think because there's so much at stake with the title, and they're both such good, strong teams. It's almost I thought they'd almost cancel each other out, which I guess they have done in this game today. But I thought it would maybe be a bit of a nil-nil, possibly a one-one. But at least we got to see some goals as well. So some some decent goals, obviously, in this game. Uh, Vito, how did you find the game? D- did you kind of expect a draw, or did you think maybe? one team could kind of edge it and if if a team had won it do you think they probably would have been the winners of the title um yeah sort of because they're so close in points um yeah it may be not necessarily maybe yes and no um how do i put it um i think city are probably gonna win the title but I don't know if this game would have... It, it all depends on the next few games, but I think um, with... Um, so I'm sort of losing my train of thought here. Um, come, come back to me. I, I've just sort of... It's different. I think it's pretty, yeah. Liverpool do have the harder run-in, don't they, with the game yeah. there? Yeah, on, yeah. on paper as such. I think both of them will probably end up winning all of their games, I'd imagine. Um, I do think that if City, if City won it today, it was all over. But I think if Liverpool won it today, it was still it was still going on because I think two points Liverpool are a lot le- a lot more likely to drop two points than City are four if if either of them would have won. So yeah, yeah. I, I think City will go on and win it now to be honest. And I think Liverpool. Yeah, ma- ma- I might have to change my Champions League prediction from last week, and I think Liverpool may go on and win it. Um, um, what I was going to say was I did sort of predict a draw at the beginning. I, I was thinking 1-1, but um, to be honest, with teams like that, they're good enough to score a lot of goals, but they're also good enough to not concede too many either. So it kind of blends together. So they're not going to concede too many if they're good enough, which they both are. And um, But they, they all have quality players, so it could have gone either way. But, um, but they, they seem a bit more evenly matched this season than other seasons, I think, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say it's virtually, it. well, I mean, it literally is neck and neck if you look at the table, but at the same time, just in terms of the quality of the squad, you'd probably say maybe maybe Man City edge it with the, the sort of depth that they've got. Luke, I don't know what, which out of the two, obviously, um, along with Jack, we did the combined XI for like the, um, the, the Premier League, and it was obviously populated with a lot of Man City and Liverpool players. Do you think one of these squads is better than the other one? Because for me, it's, it's a difficult one. Man City have obviously gone out there and they've splashed a lot of money on on, on Grealish, on you know, well, all, all manner of different sort of huge players, Ruben Diaz, and um, Liverpool have kind of been a little bit. They've they've reined it in a little bit with their spending and been a bit more tactical. But do you think one squad edges it out of these two? Yeah, I'd say City probably just like you sound depth, but. 
I think I'll come back to to what we said in that episode. You mentioned and Klopp's just a, a coach, isn't he? They can afford to buy players that are a bit mm-hmm. cheaper and have got potential because he will turn them into that next sort of level talent. Whereas Pep does do that, but probably not as frequently. You, you think of some players he signed that it's just not maybe not worked out as well as others. Um, but I think you look at City's bench versus Liverpool's bench. If it's nil nil with twenty minutes to play, whose bench do you want? You you want City's, don't you? Grealish, Mares, etc. But I, I'd say it's close. I think Liverpool are getting there with depth now. Yeah, the fact that some weeks they've got the likes of De Bruyne. Bernardo Silva on the bench, obviously, like as you say, Grealish as well, Gabby Jesus. There's like it's just a ridiculous amount. I mean, if you look at Man- the benches today, Man City, obviously, as you said, Grealish on there, Gundogan, Mares, uh, Fernandinho. Obviously, they do have kind of a couple of youth players, um, which you know they've got a few more youth players in there than Liverpool did. The likes of James McAtee and um, uh, Lavia as well. But overall, they're such well-matched squads, obviously playing very similar formations. It, it It's just kind of like if, if if the other one didn't exist, then either of these sides could go on and be dominant and just win every single title, I'd say, for kind of four, five, six years. Obviously, there's I feel like Chelsea are creeping up, obviously, with the result that we'll get on later. That's kind of a testament to that. But then there's also the financial situation at Chelsea and there's been a sometimes things are a bit up and down with these teams and their consistency has just been absolutely ridiculous so should we should we do another little early prediction Vito I don't know do you think it will be Man City or Liverpool winning the title I don't know if you've already mentioned it I can't even remember but yeah um, I think it'll be City just based on this game I think they performed a little bit better than Liverpool and I think they've got it the character to do it Luke I don't know if you agree with that or... Yeah, I think City will go on and win it now. Um, I do, it's so hard. Like, I think I mentioned it briefly last week, just because they're, they're sort of fighting each other in all the competitions. You've got the FA Cup semi-final next week as well. Um, they could end up playing them, each other in the Champions League final. Uh, I think City will win the league, but it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool went on further in the Cups. That's the thing. I think I mentioned previously how... Could this be a season? It doesn't look like it from their from their results in the Premier League. But you'd think, would could Man City just put absolutely everything into winning the Champions League, and then that opens the Premier League up for Liverpool? But for me, it doesn't look like there's any signs of that happening at any point. And I think Luke, what you said is probably right in terms of they're both probably going to win all of their remaining games. And currently, City are a point obviously above Liverpool, and if they win all their games, they'll finish a point above Liverpool. And that would be about right, probably, looking at the seasons that they've both had. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 so tight and they are probably two of the best Premier League teams we've ever seen, along, along with, you know, you'd look at the Invincibles, you'd look at some of the United squads we've had before, maybe some of the Chelsea squads we've had before. They're, they're right, right up there, probably in some like the top five kind of teams we've ever had in, in the Premier League, I would say, personally. You look back to the 18-19 season where they were on 98 and 97 points. Mm. Like to, yeah. to finish second on 97 points, obviously City has spoke about highly because of that season. But Liverpool aren't spoken about highly enough for that season. No, to finish second on that amount of points is ridiculous. And they could now finish second on 94 points as well, like... If, if you think about it, I think at one point it was Chelsea's record uh, winning uh, with most points in the champion, uh, Premier League, wasn't it? It was like 90, 95 points, was it? Yeah, most points. Mm-hmm. We had most points and most consecutive wins and then them two have smashed. The only one they haven't taken of ours and United's records, I think, is the is Chelsea's um, got at least goals conceded in the season 15, which that will never be broken in this day and age. But... But yeah, I just, yeah, that's just ridiculous. think the, these two teams are probably the best teams we've ever seen in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Or if they're not the best, they're right up there with the best. Yeah, I, I'd say you've got to put them... Can you put anyone above the Invincibles? That's the thing. I've, I know, obviously, I know everyone... Era. And everyone levels that argument. Wise, of, yeah, I'd say performance-wise, probably, because... To not lose yeah. a game in, in an entire season. People always say, though, about the Invincibles and how many draws there were that season. I don't and know they, whether... It might sound that dumb, but play, all but... you've got to do is put every single player in the goal line. Yeah, but they, they didn't draw them. 38 games nil-nil, did they? Like, I suppose no, not. To be but... fair, yeah, that would that they... would be an achievement as well. Exactly, but I, I just think 
they're, they're right up there. Whether they're the best, uh, it's just all down to opinions, I suppose, isn't it? But I think I think they're they're right up there if they're not the best. Yeah, I'd I'd say they probably because I think players now, generally speaking, are better athletes than they were probably 10, 15, 20 years ago. Obviously, the likes of, like Thierry Henry is my f- favourite player of all time. And I have a soft spot for that Arsenal team. I kind of veered towards that before I became a Villa fan and then was like, had my path changed, obviously. But that era of Arsenal was just absolutely ridiculous. And like, yeah. um, but I think it's the same now. I think people are going to look back at this, this Liverpool and City side and think like, it's the same thing. If um, if one of them didn't exist, they it could easily have been an invincible season. Or like without like it wouldn't surprise me if one of them has an invincible season, like yeah. next season or something. I just like, don't it think it's possible in this day and age. The I results think... are too all over the place nowadays. Like, like I mean, would, they always have been to an extent, but if just look at this weekend, like exactly. But it's like I actually think the the eighteen nineteen City and Liverpool teams are better than the current day. Because I think them teams, you just didn't ever expect them to get beat, where you can still see some frailties at the back for both of them. I think, That's weirdly true. today, Van Dijk and Robertson down the left looked looked a little bit suspect at times, where normally them two are as strong as anything everyone targets Trent. But I think mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's some frailties there for both sides, defensively. Especially when can... there's a lot of pressure on them, like today. It's exactly. almost, yeah, Like you said, it is almost like a final. They're more worried about conceding than they are attacking definitely but, um yeah i think the 18 19 city and liverpool teams are the best or if not the best right up there as the best we've ever seen yeah i, I completely agree i think uh that'll be a great a great conversation for for an episode in the future or something like that to do you know compile well two things compile the best xi ever of premier league or like of our lifetimes because i know we can't remember like Cantona particularly yeah, well or anyone yeah, like that yeah, yeah. like but um stuff like that but also the the best teams who have won titles and things like that I think it'd be good to discuss something like that in the future but and there's so many on. different ways as well because you got 100% defensive teams so like you said like I said earlier that you got the Chelsea 0405 attacking mm. teams you, there's never been attacking teams like we see now no, I think now, yeah, yeah, I think you're right now. As I said, obviously, with Arsenal, there were a fair... I can't remember how many draws there were that season. I want to 12. say 12. Yeah, 12. It was, 20, it was 12, 26 it? wins, 12, 12 draws, I think. Yeah, and, um, you know, that in, in a lot of seasons, that probably wouldn't win you the league, to be honest, because the, the kind of, say, if Man City, the current Man City and Liverpool teams were in that season, Arsenal wouldn't have won the league. But... At that time, it was, and the players they had were ridiculous. But yeah, it's it's a difficult conversation. Um, anyone, anyone watching and listening, please do let us know um, what you think. Uh, the socials are all still down below, so if you do want to get at us, we're growing our Twitter following a little bit now. So do feel free to get involved there and tweet us or reply to any of our tweets with your kind of thoughts on the matter. Um, I think we're going to move on. I, I don't know which of your two teams to move to because they're both dramatic results, and. Shocking in their own way, I'd say, possibly. I don't know. Vito, do you want to get it out of the way? Obviously, uh, Everton won Man United nil in this game. And what were your thoughts? Do you think it was a fair result based on the performance or how did you see it? Uh, Well, I've sort of mentally blocked out a lot of it, but um, it kind of... What summed the game up and Harry Maguire, more than anything, is... uh, Calling for a, a handball against his own player. Um, mad. And yeah, um, I guess Sol's Law, you kind of expect that had to happen to us at this time of the season against uh, Everton of all clubs. Um, I'm just sort of. Don't have too much to say, probably. No. no, it's, no. Yeah, it is one of those where it's, um, it's a strange one. It's obviously come at a very good time for Everton. Uh, in terms of, we've literally been speaking recently about Everton. I've just recorded a, a video with um, Matt Smith from Tactically Everton on Twitter. And uh, it's, it's it's difficult because the Premier League changes so quickly. And that's the kind of thing where now Everton have a chance of survival. Because if you look at, look at their games, there are so many losable games in that and not many winnable games. But from an Everton perspective, it's, a, it's such a massive result. And if you look at the bottom of the table now... Everton 17th, they're now four points, uh, four points clear of Burnley in 18th. Burnley, who obviously have had a very disappointing 
game, which we'll get onto later. But I think it's a strange one for Man United as well. And we were, I, I pulled the idea of talking about United. Luke said it was a little bit boring. So I think we will call it a day on United a little bit for the next kind of week or two. But I definitely wanted to touch on this game because it's, it, both teams are in such a weird position that they shouldn't be in and you just wouldn't expect them to be in. Can Luke, I just I add one more thing? Sorry. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Literally every single week, we I don't know how, every single week we seem to always be like three points away from top four, be it games in hand or something like that. This literally happens every week for the past month or so. And every time we do something to fuck it up, let's say. And... Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't think we. I think we've run out of chances now. So uh, I don't think we deserve top four. No, that's the thing. I'd say probably Arsenal and Spurs deserve top four over United. I would say. I feel like it might be a battle between the the two of them now. Um, obviously, United and uh, sorry, Arsenal and Spurs were very different results though uh, in this game week. But Luke, I don't know if you want to talk about the uh, the Chelsea result. You probably do. It was obviously. Um, very good performance from Chelsea. Incredibly poor performance from Southampton. 6-0, obviously, Chelsea uh, away from home as well. Were there any kind of big takeaways from that game? Or was it as simple as, you know, a strong team hitting a, a weaker team on a really bad day for them? Yeah, I think it was a bit of both. I think Southampton were poor, but I think we were we were out with a point to prove yesterday. And I think Southampton were just unfortunate they were playing us. I think the majority of teams we would have played yesterday, bar probably... City and Liverpool, maybe Spurs and Arsenal would have got a result like that because we we had two awful results. And I think it just proves the mentality of the group. I think could have easily folded. First first five minutes were really shaky as well. I think um, Rudiger put Mendy in a spot of bother with a, with a bad back pass. And I was, I was really worried after that first five minutes. But after that, they sort of calmed down, composed themselves. And after that, the... the Next forty minutes of the first half were incredible. I, I don't think I've seen us that fluid in attack. It could it could have genuinely been double figures at half time. Um, I think Southampton were lucky that, that we missed some chances, but yeah, I think that it was just it just fluid. Like, and Werner gets a lot a lot of stick. We play so much better when he's in the team because he stretches teams and he comes from wide. He makes runs in behind. And he might not be the best finisher in the world, but he makes us tick like in attack. He, he just makes us so much more fluid. And I keep banging on about Havertz on here and people are just going to say I'm biased, but he is so good. Like He is so, so mm. good. I don't know. Did either of you see the double Maradona he did? Where he did, he took it round mm. yes. May yeah, and yeah, yeah. Ward Prowse. Oh, it, it, right, yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But um, yeah, I, I was buzzing with it yesterday and just roll on the Madrid game and hopefully that'll give them a bit of confidence now. Um, I, st- I still think we're, we're able to win that tie. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. I think it's still still definitely highly possible. Uh, it's all to play for in the Champions League at the moment, that, that Champions League tie specifically. But yeah, I think, you, I think you're right in terms of Chelsea are definitely better with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz on the pitch. And I think people... Because of that season at Leipzig, I think people maybe expected him, Timo Werner, to come in and be like a 15-20 goal striker. When that's not the player that he is, he's not necessarily always been that player. He's not going to be that player season in, season out. He obviously played in the front two at, um, at Leipzig with Yusuf Poulsen. Um, under, I don't know if he played, did he play in the Rangnick whilst he was there? Uh, yeah, Harsenhutl was Harsen the majority, Hootel. I think. But yeah, you're yeah. right though because he, he did only have one incredible goal scoring season. Other than that, he was mm. sort of like 10, 15 goals, which is what he scored for us last season. All cops, I think he got eighteen in all competitions. So yeah, he, I just think people expect expect him to come in and score thirty goals, and it's just it's not his game. He's I'd say he's more of a wide forward than a centre forward or a winger he's somewhere in between that's that thing now like obviously we've talked about he's, he doesn't really fit into this category necessarily but the false nine debate we've had obviously it's more Kai Havertz who falls in that category but people will still see the term striker and expect a player to come in and score 20 plus goals a season when now we're seeing a lot of the top teams if you look at Liverpool and Man City and even Chelsea as well the goals are very spread across 
loads yeah. of different players. You got these. You got goal scoring midfielders. You've got even like fullbacks chipping in with goals. I've seen Marcos Alonso. Um, you have like Trent scoring scores some scores some goals occasionally. Reese James obviously at Chelsea scores goals, and I feel like that's how that's how a lot of the top teams are now. You know, you're getting um, all over the pitch. You're getting um, you're getting goal scorers. So it's not quite as simple as that now. But you look at um, look at Spurs for example. When their main players aren't scoring, they're poor. Whereas the bigger, not the bigger side, that's the wrong way to phrase it, but the teams that are at the top of the league that spread their goals around don't seem to go for as many blips as the teams between sort of fifth and tenth because they all have sort of set scorers and when they don't score, nobody else does, they don't win games. Whereas Chelsea can find a goal from pretty much anywhere in their team, as can City, as can Liverpool. And I mean, Spurs did last week against Newcastle, but I think... You just have to find those those ways of winning games, and some sides can't do it. And some look at Arsenal over the last week. They, they, um, Martinelli and Saka haven't been firing over the last couple of games, and they haven't had anyone who stood up and taken the reins. Where other teams do have that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think we can we'll, we'll move on to Arsenal now because obviously another team in the hunt for that kind of um, fourth place spot alongside Spurs, alongside West Ham, alongside um, Manchester United as well. But Arsenal, obviously, coming away with a, a 2-1 defeat against Brighton. Great uh, finish from Enoch and Wepu. I don't know whether anyone saw that. It, was just, it just was a very nice sort of slick finish. Vito, I don't know if you've um, seen the game or the highlights or you have anything to kind of take away from that or just just kind of general comment on kind of that, that, that top four uh, final place kind of running. Uh, I didn't actually see the game, but um, yeah... Like Luke said, you kind of need to have players that are firing on all cylinders, especially now, because mm. there's like, what, eight, seven, eight games left, and you really can't afford to lose to a team like Brighton when you're in the sort of position that you are, where you've got Spurs now three points ahead of you, although there is a game in hand, so they could go level again. But they've got West Ham and... Uh, not as Wolves maybe uh, breathing down their necks, still in the running to get a European place. So, yeah, it's just uh, I think they need to do better, really. I would definitely say so, and I think it's a team that kind of goes into that category. But I suppose they do have a fair few players who will score goals in terms of they've got Lacazette, they've then got Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, Martinelli. Who Martinelli? I think Martinelli could become a striker. I think it is a possibility that he might be a long, the long-term Lacazette replacement. Obviously, we're seeing. Um, don't know if anyone's seen the kind of rumours hotting up with Cody Gakpo from PSV coming in at Arsenal potentially, who tends to play off the left. I believe. Uh, I think he's played centrally, but he tends to play off the left. Um, and a lot of people kind of have the, that idea that now maybe Martinelli is going to become that Lacazette replacement and go into the middle. And then Gakpo will kind of come in off the left and dovetail that way, which I think could could work quite well. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was a weird game. The Martin Odegaard goal as well, I was saying, it, it looked brilliant at first glance, but there was a huge deflection off it as well. Um, something that's happened in a couple of games, I'd say, I'd say this weekend. Um, but I think we can, we'll move on to another kind of game that I'm, don't really want to talk about too much, but um, another another sort of top four race race fixture for for Spurs, who obviously came to Villa Park and won four nil. Really frustrating game from a, a Villa perspective. Luke, I know you wanted to kind of ask me a few questions about Villa, but um, it, it was really a kind of almost in a way a game of two halves, I suppose, because Son obviously came in with that really early, early goal, but Villa responded very well to that. We saw. As we were saying beforehand, before we started recording, Jacob Ramsey this season has been it, it ridiculous. It's kind of, I think definitely definitely since Jack Grealish, it's been the first player that we've kind of seen come through the academy who's been like a complete sort of next level player that we just didn't really expect them to be. I think that there was less expectation on Jacob Ramsey. I don't think anyone thought he was going to come in and be you know, a starting week in, week out player. And obviously Dean Smith gave him those minutes earlier on in the season and Gerrard's continued to do so. He he made a great run and should have scored. Danny Ings should have scored as well. But it came to a point where the chances just kept being missed. Nothing was going in. I don't think Danny Ings has a lot of confidence at the moment. Um, I don't feel like Ollie Watkins has a huge amount of confidence at the moment either. Um, and then, yeah, it got to the point where second half, obviously another goal for Son, 
and then it just kind of fell apart from there and things became a little bit more open so yeah frustrating day but um luke i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to kind of talk about villa wise because i know that um we, we were thinking about doing a little little clip about this yeah, so I think first of all, I think I don't I don't know why Watkins seems so low on confidence because before the international break he'd scored three and three or something like that. Scored for England on on his first start. What like he should be high in confidence, ready to play, and he just doesn't look not interested. But he doesn't look like he's he's on form at the minute. He just doesn't feel like he's he's there and he's sort of ready to score if the opportunity comes. I think. Danny Ings is a bit more, you, you you get it a little bit, don't you? Like, he's in and out of the team. He's not always starting. You can yeah. understand it. But, yeah, I think I think that comes back to what I said a minute ago. When your your goal scorers aren't firing, you, you're in trouble. And I, I think the first half, if you'd have scored once, twice, you'd have won that game comfortably, I think. Because I think Spurs were, Spurs were there for the taking in the first half. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Villa were excellent, apart from all, the, all they didn't do was put the ball in the net in the first half. Um, Ramsey, just incredible. He's so, so good. And I can see him being the next sort of player to go for 50, 60 million pounds at, at some point in the next couple of years. But mm. um, yeah, what I was going to ask you on Villa is, first of all, I think the biggest question is, is are you any better under Gerard than Smith? I, I mean, I, I know my opinion. I think you are. And I think there's definite signs for progression and, and potential within the team. But what do you, what do you think as a Villa fan? Yeah, it was. It, it's actually a question that I've seen. I'm not sure who it was, but on Twitter, I've seen this question um, amongst some Villa fans this week. And it is a difficult one because I think when, when Gerard first came in, a lot of Villa fans were a bit hesitant because, yes, he's gone and won a lot of things with Rangers, but in other ways he didn't do as, as well as kind of it looked on the surface at Rangers I think a lot of Scottish football fans would say um, there, there, there was question marks over his kind of coaching abilities Michael Beale who's the, one of his assistant coaches apparently does a lot of the coaching work and he's just kind of the face of the coaching staff I suppose in some ways but I, for, for, firstly I'll, I'll go back to what I think I've said in previous episodes I think Dean Smith was sacked a bit early I think that there were signs that things were starting to fall apart because he got into this, into a bit of a flap where he dropped Tyrone Mings. We all know on this podcast my opinion of Tyrone Mings, but he's the club captain and he is he is a good leader on the pitch and it, it seemed like a bit of a panic and then he was playing a three at the back and he was playing like Leon Bailey as a wing back and under Dean Smith, I think there were signs that he was going into panic mode. So I, I understood why he got sacked. Obviously, Gerard coming in, I think, I, I don't know how much of his reputation has been pushed along and been helped a little bit by the signing of Coutinho, by the signing of Jacob Ramsey, not the signing of Jacob Ramsey, but the fact that he's basically been like a new signing since he kind of hit the ground running under Gerard. Um, obviously, Luca Dinier as well. And and Ger one thing that Gerard adds that Dean, Dean Smith didn't have is obviously that pull of being Steven Gerrard and having that legacy as a footballer that Dean Smith didn't have and, you know, having the capability to bring these players in. But if you look overall, I think, I, I think there are so many players in that squad that haven't been coached very well this season and haven't been used correctly. Obviously we've seen Leon Bailey who's been injured at parts, but he, Leon Bailey's a brilliant, he's a really, really good player. The same with Emi Buendia, like incredible player. And we signed him for a fair amount of money, to be honest. And he just hasn't, again, I think he's had a few injury problems here and there, but I expected the the squad to revolve around them. But then obviously since then, Coutinho's come in, that's changed a bit. Ramsey, we didn't expect him to be playing loads. But it, it's been, it, it's a bit of a mix. I do think overall, we probably are in a better position than we would have been if Dean Smith was still at the club. I think it probably was a good signing, a, a, a good a good sort of, capture in getting Steven Gerrard I would have given Dean Smith maybe two or three more weeks to see what would have happened because you know D Dean Smith is not on the same level but like we were talking um, if, if anyone wants to go back and watch the, the video that I did with Joe Donoghue on Leeds um, a couple of weeks back um, he has that Bielsa at Leeds had that kind of pull where even after he the results plummeted and he got sacked the Leeds fans absolutely adored him still and that's the case with Dean Smith because obviously he's a Villa fan he helped Villa to promotion and his whole family are Villa supporters and it was a shame like no one wanted to see him leave a lot of fans were like 
the time has come for him to leave, but no one was glad to see the back of him at all. And he would probably be welcomed back as a manager in the future if, say, Villa are in a position... Obviously, Villa have higher aspirations than kind of what Dean Smith could match probably at the moment. But overall, yeah, I, I would say Gerard is probably... He's got us to a better position probably that Dean Smith would have done. I think Dean Smith is a lower half um, Premier League manager at, at, at best, probably. And I think he's... He had a virtually impossible job with Norwich City. Um, obviously, we'll go on to Norwich because they had a fairly decent game and won against a, a relegation rival. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Gerrard's probably was a good choice. I'd say we're probably better off under him, yeah. My, my next next question is sort of double-edged in a way. Do you think the transfer window in the summer is... Was your problem? First, sold Bale just went out and spent a load of money and not really thought about where these players are going to fit. So, Ings, uh, Buendia, Bailey that you've all mentioned, like as well as already having Watkins in the team. I know Gerard Tarkatino, but now it's sort of like it's very unorthodox forwards you've got, and they don't seem to all fit in a three or a two. And mm-hmm. do you feel like that's part of your problem? And then, sort of the next part of the question would be. What would you do if you was Gerard in the summer? What three positions would you strengthen? Yeah, it is. I think I think you're definitely right. I I think I've said on here before. Obviously, with the signing of Danny Ings, who's a proven Premier League goal scorer, there's going to be excitement around that. And it was a very bolt from the blue, just at like announced straight away. There was no talk of it whatsoever. Similar to um, with Callum Chambers in January, actually. But I think the Ings signing was probably a bit more exciting for Villa fans. But I remember I was at the train station. I just got off the train. I was waiting for a lift. Saw it on Twitter. And my instant thought wasn't excitement. It was kind of like, okay. like, And then I kind of instantly, I was kind of thinking, because for me, Ollie Watkins was a key player. Like, obviously, the season before, he was a massive player. He was one of the most important players in the squad. And he's never, from what I, from my knowledge, he's never really played in a front two. And I didn't want to see Ollie Watkins dropped at all. But then Danny Ings has that reputation as such a regular Premier League scorer that I also kind of thought, you know, he's not going to be happy on the bench. So it was just a weird one where Ollie Watkins obviously has played out on the left before. He played on the left at Exeter. He played on the left a bit, I think, under Dean Smith at Brentford. And then it was mainly Thomas Frank who kind of converted him to be a, a, a central striker. Obviously, he still veers out to the left. But there was this instant chat. I, I kind of knew it before it happened. And then straight away, it was this kind of, oh, yeah, Watkins and Ings don't fit in the same starting lineup. It's not going to happen. We've seen it in more recent games. And there was a game or two where it did work. But I think overall, it doesn't really work. And I, and for me, Danny Ings doesn't fit into this Villa squad. Um, the same the same thing with Brendier and Bailey. I think specifically Bailey... I remember, firstly, when Dean Smith started using a three at the back, and, and I was thinking, you know, this this is um, it, it doesn't really work because B- Bailey is an out and out traditional winger who will he I think he's a left footer. He'll play on the left and whip the ball in. He can play inverted, but he's better on his he's be- better whipping the ball in on his left foot. But Gerard doesn't play with orthodox wingers. He's playing with uh, you know kind of wide attackers who will cut inside, Coutinho being one, and then, you know, Buendia can kind of be the other. But we don't have that natural left-footed attacker who can play on the right-hand side. So it's it's just kind of, it's one of those where I don't think there was enough thought into it. I think it was that thing, you know, where, where people, where, where clubs will sell a massive player and then they'll replace them with two, three, four players who still don't have the impact of that one player because that was a mistake at Villa when Grealish was there that every single thing went through him and he got injured for a patch of that last season we had him and Villa's form just completely like went off a cliff um, it is a difficult one because I do like Leon Bay Leon Bay is a really really good player he's proven that in in a very high level uh, in the Bundesliga again Emi Buendia really really good player as well um, I know Norwich City fans on, on Twitter don't seem very happy the fact that he came to Villa and he's not really been used at all. And they definitely could have done with him this season. But overall, I just don't think it was done quite right. The, the, I don't think the signings were done quite right. In terms of heading into next season, 
I would say we we probably need it's a difficult one. I'd say we probably need an, an, another kind of wide wide right sided attacker cutting in onto his left foot. That's probably one thing that I would say. I'd say we need a centre back as well. Ideally, ideally a left footed centre back, because even even though obviously I'm saying I, I wouldn't necessarily sell Tyrone Mings, but I I don't think he should be a, a nailed on starter. Like I think say if we sign somebody who can play on the left hand side of um, of defence. You know, players that have been linked like Sven Botman, who who can play on that left side of defence. I know, like people have said before, like Nathan Ake. I think City will probably try and keep hold of a player like Nathan Ake, and I don't know whether he's who I'd go for personally. But I think just an extra body in there because we basically have four centre backs at this point, which isn't really enough. We've got like Mings, Concer, Corny Hawes, um, and Chambers. Obviously, we lost Twanzebe, and he's gone to Napoli and played like twelve minutes or something. So, None of your centre backs are brilliant either are they I really thought Concer was going to sort of go on to another level this season but he just hasn't yeah he just stumbled a little bit and I think I agree you definitely definitely need another centre-back Mings is it's not necessarily about replacing a player like Mings it's just upgrading on him keep him there as a squad player but but upgrade that's the thing I mean Mings has always been a player there's always been he's always had a mistake in him but I think that's becoming such a huge flaw in his game this season is just constant kind of errors. Like even in the championship, I think the, the promotion season, he had an error in him, but he was overall quite a solid centre back. Um, but it's just, yeah, this this season I think he's been exposed too much. I'd always go back to that Leeds three three game where virtually all the Leeds goals were his fault essentially. I think he has his place in the squad certainly, and I think he's probably very well respected in that squad, and he seems like a. A really kind of good. He's, he's a, a very good voice uh, to have probably around in the dressing room. But yeah, we, we definitely do need to strengthen. I'm trying to think of a third area. The thing is, I, what I would try to do is probably try and sell that cash in on Danny Ings before his value drops anymore, and then maybe sell, uh, maybe sort sorry sign someone. The thing is, do we even need someone? Because if you look to some of the players we've got loaned out who are who are strikers, Keenan Davis and Cameron Archer. Both absolutely on fire in the. I don't in, know if Davis is Premier League. I think Davis is going to be another like. I wouldn't say Mitrovic. Mitrovic. No, I yeah, say but Mitrovic. I think I think Mitrovic, but without the quality. I think like Gale or Puki, maybe. Yeah, I think I think yeah. Davis is a really really good Championship striker. Yeah. Just don't know if he's quite good enough for the Premier League. You need someone. Cameron Archer yeah. is a hell of a player at Preston. Well, that's the thing. But the only thing I'd say, you're probably right. I'd say Kenny Davis probably isn't, because he, I think he's 24. He still has that reputation of being a young player coming through, but he's been that player for four or five seasons now. And yeah. he's never really scored more than two or three goals in a season, I don't think. Forrest will sign him, I think, wherever yeah. they are. But I, I just think, I think that could be... I know this is this is a really early prediction, but I think and Jack isn't going to thank me for this. But if they sign Davis as their main striker, that could relegate them next season. Yeah, if they come up, I do agree. There's no, he's not in any way proven at all in the Prem. I think he's scored in the Prem possibly, but if he has, it's been literally one, probably one goal. But Cameron Archer, yeah. Cameron Archer looks great. There are a couple of young players in this Villa squad now who do look really good. Cameron Archer being the main one, probably if you if you don't count Jacob Ramsey. Um, I don't know whether he maybe needs one more season out on loan, possibly to a kind of slightly higher profile championship side. Maybe one of the one of the teams that misses out on the playoffs or something. Burnley or Burnley, yeah, you never know. Or one of the relegated teams, who knows? <laughs> maybe go to like a Norwich or yeah, Norwich or Burnley or something like that. Um, okay. We'll see. But but yeah, overall, I think I think Villa do need to get it right. And if you look at some of the rumours that Villa, the players that Villa have been linked to, I've seen Villa linked to Paul Pogba. Vito, I don't know what you think of that. A few weeks ago, uh, if you can afford four hundred k a week, why not have him? That's the issue. That's the thing. And Howard um, Phillips, I saw linked. Calvin Phillips would Which be brilliant, is yeah. Interesting though, because do you need to replace Douglas Louise? That's the thing. I mean, we've got we've obviously got Douglas Louise, who's had a fa- he's had a fairly good season. When Gerard first came in, Marvelous Nakamba was also having a great great season, and he got injured. Um, I think he's back now, um, as far as I know. But yeah, players I mean, like him and Morgan Sanson are, are players you just need to chop. Like I think yeah. you've got aspirations of being a Europa League club. 
as everyone keeps saying, I do think Gerard will get you there. You've there's certain players you've just got to get rid of. That's the thing. There's still there's still that crop within within the squad, the likes of you know, a couple of the loaned out players like El Ghazi, who's at Everton, Trezeguet. on loan, Trezeguet. But Bertrand Traore, I do think, is probably the better of those, the best of those three out of Trezeguet, El Ghazi. Yeah, I, I've probably said before, I've got a soft spot for El Ghazi. Uh, he, has, he has the same birthday as me. He's a, he's a few years older, but he has the same birthday as me. Plus, I just think he scored some, him and Trezeguet have scored some very important goals. I feel, I feel like it was Trezeguet who scored the goal against Arsenal, maybe, in the 2010. 2020-21 season when we almost went down under Dean Smith. Yes, it was Trezeguet. I think it was Trezeguet. I remember watching that in I the Rose and Crown. At Villa Park, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, that was I at Villa that. Park, yeah. yeah. Um, so, they, yeah, I mean, and they, they especially El Ghazi, he was, a, he was an important player in the promotion season as well when he was in on loan from Lille, I think it was. I think that's his level. I think it probably is his level. And I think, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen now, but if Everton were to go down, I think they do all right signing him on a permanent. To be honest, um, I know he's barely—he's not going to feature probably under Lampard, but probably in the Premier League. But in the Championship, he is—he's a good—he he is a good player. Um, I think we'll we'll move on to another team. Um, uh, not another team near the relegation. Neither of those teams are near the relegation zone. We'll move on to some teams who are near the relegation zone, <laughs> um, namely two in one game here: um, Watford nil, Leeds United three. Obviously, Roy Hodgson was meant to be coming into this Watford side and beefing the defence up, and it's not really happened. Vito, I don't know how, how you feel about Watford. Obviously, they're, they're, they're a difficult team because they have about seven managers a season. Um, they, there's just no consistency in terms of them staying in the top flight. Do you, do you think Watford deserve to go down this season? I think so. Um, I mean, who was ever really hopeful that they would stay up anyway? The, again, they're, with not, their track they're, not, they're not a likeable team, really, are they? Not really. They're kind of like, a, I wouldn't say as bad as a, a, a Norwich or a Fulham, but yeah, and a West Brom, but may, maybe around that sort of level where you just think the moment they come up again, they're just going to go straight back down because they can't seem to like hit the nail on the head of what they're actually looking for. They kind of seem like a, 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 a lost sheep or something. And... But this this game was even that being said, this game seems like it's one that beforehand could have just gone either way because uh, both teams are kind of. I mean, look at Leeds; is they've they've conceded sixty eight goals this season, eight more than Watford, but still that's, that's a hell of a lot to for a team that initially you would have thought would have tried to progress from last season, but they just don't seem to have. And no. they're going to be losing players, probably, if Cam Phillips goes, Rafinha goes. Yeah. So. It, it, it is a really difficult one. Luke, I don't know how you how you're finding Jesse Marsh's first kind of five, six games in charge. I think, from my personal perspective, he's added a bit of con- sort, of, sort of conservatism to the side, where he's got that good balance. The side are very free-flowing still, very fluid, like they were under Marcelo Bielsa. But he's just made it a little bit more pragmatic and kind of, you know, shore the defence up a little bit more. Plus, I think some players of retur- returning from injury as well was a big boost for them. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think I think he's got the players on side, which is probably the most important part. Mm. Um, but I, th- I still I still have questions over it. I still think if, if they'd have waited a few weeks and let Bielsa get his players back, because you've got to remember, Leeds have gone for a big period of the season where they've not had sort of the spine of their team, really, in their captain, Liam Cooper. You've got their best player, in my opinion, Calvin Phillips, and, and their striker, Bamford. Like, they've not really got... Although uh, Rodrigo's been playing up there and Dan James been playing up there, they're not, they're not strikers. Um, Rafinha had a bit, bit of a blip at the same time and sort of it's all it's all coincided with, with Bielsa getting the sack. But I, I do think that Marsh has brought a bit of like solidity to them at the back. Um, but yeah, I, I, I still have question marks over over the appointment. If I'm completely honest, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's Watford are just going to throw the toys out of the pram after like yeah, a, a spell of four or five poor results. The manager's already on the line. Like the the manager's job's already on the line. Watford do this sort of every every ten years or so. They'll get promoted, have a couple of seasons, get relegated, then they'll be a yo-yo club for a little bit. And then them, their owners will decide to chuck some money into it. But I just never understand when clubs do it. QPR used to do it all the time. 
Watford have done it this season. When you chuck 30, 40 million at players nobody's ever heard of, how do you expect that's going to keep you in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. That's, it's net, net, I don't think anyone could name a club where that's worked. It's not so... 40, like, 40 million quid's worth of unknown players. Like, they're not even... Like, honestly, had you heard of Kamara for Watford before they signed mm. him? I hadn't. I mean, he's no. really good, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bad point. But there's certain players like, I don't know, Kuchka. Yeah. 33 years old. What, why have they spent 8 million quid on a 33-year-old? Yeah, it's a weird one where they have that. They they will do that with, like, Serie A because they have that relationship with Udinese. But he, I don't think Kuchka came from Udinese. I can't remember what's, what team, maybe like a... Oh, like, Oh uh, right, yeah. yeah, but like, um, they are just—it's just weird, like the way because obviously there are there are some teams like you'd say possibly Brentford, one of them, who will, and maybe Norwich as well, who will go out, go out and they will sign some players that you've not heard of, but they they're players that cost you know ten mil max, and yeah, not they, it's, not it's because that often. yeah, and it's because they've put a lot of thought into it and they've they've gone for that kind of more money ball type type model but Watford they just don't it, it, it doesn't seem to be a thought it's kind of like oh this player's come up in Serie A who we can probably easily get through our contacts let's sign him and they yeah. don't they just I don't know it doesn't seem to work I mean one or two players from sort of foreign leagues will probably work if they'd have signed a Kamara and I don't know Samir who looks half decent at the back and then yeah. bought a couple of established Premier League players maybe it'd have done a job but Signing, I don't, I can't recall apart from maybe Musa Sissoko, who was who's established Premier League players at Watford have signed this season. Yeah, I it's think. almost, uh, it's almost like as they're sponsored by Football Manager, they use scouts on Football Manager yeah. to make their signings. It does, it does seem like that a bit. It does a little it, bit. I think it's just, just weird. I don't know if Josh King is experienced enough at Premier League. I mean, he's had a few he's seasons in the Premier player, Danny he? Rose. Danny Rose is like, yeah, he he, Again, he a year he on is, the sidelines at Spurs and then expected to come in and keep Watford in the Prem. I'd say Ben Foster, you could say, is probably uh, yeah quite an established Premier League player, but it's it's a weird one. I think what what we'll do quickly now, which was a suggestion of vetoes, we have a thing where we do these who am I's, don't we? Where we basically will will give some clues. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out some clues about a specific player. I don't know if you guys want to write them down. Everyone at home, obviously, please do this as well. And uh, do um, hit us with your... I don't know whether to reveal it at the end of the episode or to reveal it on Twitter. But I'm going to get the, the two guys on here today to to guess at the end of the episode. Um, and, yeah, please, everybody, play play along at home as well. So the first clue, before we just move on to a couple of the Premier League games and maybe the Serie A a little bit as well. Um, the first clue is, I've played with Kevin Gamero, Santi Cazorla, Conor Hurahan, and Cesar Azpilicueta. All at club level? Uh, yes, all at club level. All at club level. Um, Can you repeat them one more time? Yeah, Kevin Gamero. Yeah. Santi Cazorla. Okay. Conor Hurahan, or Haurahan, I think's the correct pronunciation, and yeah. Cesar Azpilicueta. The second clue is I've won an under-20 World Cup. Okay. And then the third clue is I currently captain my country. It's a difficult one. But we're... Yeah, I believe so. From, From everything that I could find, they still do captain their country. So we'll move on whilst um, the guys have that in the back of their mind for a little bit. Hopefully everybody else at home can uh, try and figure this out whilst whilst listening along. Um, We'll move on to, I think, the Brentford game. We've got another game, obviously, right near the bottom of the table, Brentford. Brentford have pushed their way up this season. I wanted to talk a little bit about Brentford. Obviously, we've spoken quite a bit there about Villa and about a few other things. Um, but, but Brentford winning 2-0 against West Ham. I think we'll focus it more on West Ham, to be honest. Luke, I don't know. But do you think West Ham have bottled this um, push for fourth? No, I think bottle's a hard, harsh word to use. I think they're just focusing on the Europa League. I think I called it with the Spurs game the other week and I called it today that they're, they're just... They're on a high from the Europa League. 
that that one all result in midweek was was excellent considering the circumstances. They shouldn't have been down to ten men. That like they should have probably won the game if they had eleven men on the pitch. Um, and I, I just I just think that let's be honest, there wasn't a real chance of them getting the top four. Was there? I, I don't think they were going to get the top four. They're going to comfortably finish probably seventh. Wolves are dropping mm-hmm. off now, so that that helps them. And I just think that their their squad, as we've said before, just isn't strong enough to compete on on both fronts. And I think if you're gonna if you're gonna edge with one of the two, they've got a great run at getting to the Europa League semi-finals. Like who can blame them for going for it, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose that is true. Vito, uh Norwich beat Burnley 2-0, obviously, as well, um at home. A good good result for Norwich, but it's gonna be too little too late, I reckon. Do you reckon um you know, if they'd done this maybe four or five weeks ago, things would have looked a little bit brighter. I reckon so. Um, yeah, by now it's pretty much done for. Um, we all knew it was going to happen anyway, let's be honest. Well, they, they do it every single season and then they just come back up again and then they do it again. It's almost like a never-ending spiral. Um, I feel like they need different players and the, what, what they seem to do is just buy one player every single season and then everyone else is the same like Pookie as well he's he's good for the championship but just not for not for the Premier League yeah no yeah I completely agree with that and you look at some of the players in the squad Grant Hanley who I think we've mentioned before not Premier League player you look at you look you look through the first team, uh, sorry, the starting eleven for this game. You look at the players who are Premier League level players, or or players who would be good squad players at least at Premier League level. For me, I think I think Tim Krull would be a decent backup keeper for some for for, for another team. And mm. besides him, it's basically I think Rashica could fit into a Premier League squad, maybe towards the bottom half of the, of the table. And then you're looking at Lise Mellou, possibly, Matthias Norman, possibly. Besides that, none of there's absolutely none of them who would fit into um, into a Premier League team. I mean, Brandon Williams, possibly, uh, could, could be that sort of player as well. Um, and we've seen Max Ahrens completely just drop off. Um, his he, he was being linked with Bayern Munich. He's been linked with United. He's been linked with everyone. And... He just hasn't made that progress that I think a lot of people expected of him. Um, Luke, I don't know if you want to quickly touch before we uh, move on to a little bit about Serie A on the Leicester City Palace game. Leicester 2, Crystal Palace 1. We also saw a lot of penalty, uh, some strange kind of penalty drama going on uh, with Wilfred Zaha and and Schmeichel in that game. But what what did you make of that match? Yeah, I think comfortable-ish win for Leicester. Um, I actually thought Palace were going to win that, to be honest with you, um, before the game. But it's a, it's a good done. result. It's a good result for Leicester. Um, I, I still think Vieira is doing such a great job at Palace. Um, I'm really not actually looking forward to the FA Cup semi-final, if I'm honest. Like, I think they're going to give us a good game. Um, I'm, I'm going to it as well, so that makes it a little bit more nerve-wracking. Um, but yeah, I think Palace overall are having a really good season, and I think that'll continue next season. I hope they can replace Gallagher because I don't think there's any any real chance of them getting him back. Um, I hope they replace him well in the summer, whether that's on loan or or, or via a permanent deal. Um, but if they if they can, I think they can they can move on and, and potentially keep moving forward. Um, Leicester, I think they're starting to get their mojo back a little bit, starting to get players back more importantly. Um, but yeah, I think I think Leicester will finish the season strong, and I'm hoping Palace too as well. Yeah, f- fingers crossed, I suppose, for, for both of those teams. Um, we also had very early uh, on the on the Friday, Newcastle won Wolves nil. Obviously, Chris Wood scoring a penalty. I think it's his first goal at St James's Park, and he he had a goal ruled out in the first half through VAR. Managed to get a penalty late on. Newcastle, obviously, they're, they're definitely going to be safe now. They're definitely. Um, have have made some good tra- transfer decisions, and Eddie Howe has been a great addition for them as well. Which I I wasn't too sure on Eddie Howe on Eddie Howe when he first came into Newcastle, but they're ten points clear now of um, of the drop zone, so everything kind of looking up. And Luke, as he said, Wolves kind of they've kind of been a bit hit and miss in recent weeks. So it'll be interesting to see going into the summer what both of these two clubs do because I think they could I think they're both in very diff- different situations. I think Wolves could lose some of their players. Um, namely uh, Ruben Neves 
We've obviously seen Moutinho getting older and older and older. I think Jose Sarr could leave because uh, he could get picked up by by a bigger club. Newcastle in the opposite position where they're basically, you know, the the, the possibilities are pretty much endless for, for Newcastle at this stage. So that'll be really interesting. Um, Vito, we are going to expand on this in a future video, I hope. Um, if we can get somebody on board to help us with that and to have a uh, more of a more of a sort of chat, but I know you wanted to touch on the Serie A title race as well because obviously hotting up there, it's been an incredibly exciting title race um, in Serie A. It's been in general, I think Serie A is so exciting to watch over the past couple of seasons. So the the minute you've got obviously AC Milan at the top, but the, there's four teams who could still be in the chance of winning it. Vito, I don't know what your thoughts are. If you've got any predictions. Yeah, um, well, it it keeps on um, fluctuating. The past couple of weeks, there have been points where one team is is going to run away with it, then they, it goes to part, and then another team's going to run away with it. Um, let's see, uh, Inter Milan on a, a good couple, good uh, run of form, uh, unbeaten in the past four games in Serie, I believe. Um, Pretty good going. AC Milan. They drew right their now, last game. Yeah, they're playing right now. Yeah, they drew their last game and they're currently drawing. So they're they're dropping points, but they also haven't lost too many. Um, and Napoli lost today, which is unlucky for them because that means that um, Inter Milan and Napoli are same point sixty six points, but Inter uh, a game in hand. And AC Milan are drawing, but they're a game in front of us. So, and they've, they're two points ahead. So, if we win our next game, we'll all be level on games, but we'll be two, one or two points in front. So, I, I, I think any team still has the chance to win. It's just from what I've seen, Inter Milan have got quite a, a decent run of games that it looks like we could win, but. Serie A being actually quite a hard league, you never really know which way it's going to go. Yeah, I think people uh, yeah. people wrote off Inter, didn't they, at the start of this season, obviously losing Lukaku. And yeah. well, it looked like we were going to lose a lot more. We lost Hakimi. Well, Hakeem yeah, that's well. Hakimi as well. Yeah, that's true. But Potentially Martinez to Tottenham, there were talks back then, but oh, yeah. that didn't happen, luckily. That's the thing. I mean, it's 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 very open. I think the management has been brilliant this season at, the, at these top clubs. Obviously, we've seen... Juventus kind of coming into form as well and they're currently on 62 points so they're six points off top do you think there's any outside chance for Juventus or do you think it's like a three-man oh no no um the Inter Milan versus Juventus game I basically thought was whoever wins this match is in with the chance of winning the league and I think it's over and done with for Juventus now obviously they're only what four points behind Napoli but you've got a also look at that in the sense that Napoli have got to lose drop points as well. And that's the last thing they want to do when they're in the chance to win a title. They're, they're, they're basically top three and we're going for blood now. So That's the thing. And I think yeah. I also think the team that I kind of have a soft spot for in Serie A, which is Fiorentina, they're having a weird season as well. Obviously losing Vlahovic and then yeah. bringing in Arthur Cabral. And he he's um, obviously Fiorentina have beaten Napoli. So it's it's all over the place, but it's it's forever going to be exciting. We are hoping to get somebody on board and have more of an extended chat about the Serie A because it's incredible season to follow Italian football currently. Um, Luke, I don't know if you have anything to touch on just before we um, finish off. Have you been trying to figure out the, the who am I? Yeah, I'm just trying to jot down some names and work it out, but I'm struggling, if I'm honest. It is difficult. It's, it's the Conor Hurahan, Kevin Gamero bit. That I'm just, I thought I'd cracked it. And then, then it's yeah, weird. Um, it, it is weird. Um, I'm, still, I'm still thinking. How how much longer we on? We are we on for? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know whether to. I can't think when we started, but I feel we've probably been going for about an hour, maybe just over. But I didn't yeah. know whether to reveal during the episode or reveal it on Twitter after the episode comes out and has been out for a few days. Um, difficult. It's a difficult. I, I think yeah. Reveal it on Twitter. Give give me yeah. a veto another couple of days to try and work it out. Mm. Okay. Uh, Do you have any any names on there now? I won't say whether they're right or not. 
I had the first one I had was uh, Frederick Gilbert for Villa because I know he's played, oh, yeah. he plays with Kevin Gamero now at Strasbourg. Obviously, he played with Kevin Hurahan, um, Connor Hurahan, sorry. Um, but then, yeah, and then there's loads of players that I can think of that have played for like Villa and Chelsea who would have played with Barkley, Abraham, people like that. But it's, it's trying oh, yeah. to get one that, that goes with all four. Yeah, it, it is a difficult one. But I've got a fair few more. So if we want to do this kind of more regularly or even tweet some out, then yeah, maybe and we'll do they, that. They definitely captain their country now, yeah? Let me let um, me have a, let me double check. I'm definitely only played with all do. of these players. Only played with all of these players at club level, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely right. That's definitely um, that's, that, that's definitely right. Um, I hope it. Yeah, it says as of well, the article is as of May 2021, but I'm pretty sure that he is still the captain of, of his national team. Um, let me go on there. I know Wikipedia is probably not the best place to look, but does it say on Wikipedia? Um, it doesn't actually say anyone's the captain on the Wikipedia page, but yeah, uh, fr- from everything that I could find. He is, he is the current captain. Um, did anyone have anything to, to, to just kind of point people in the direction of before we finish off? I wanted to, to mention, um, obviously, the Everton keep or sale, Luke, that you've uh, done that should be coming out um, maybe just before this episode comes out on, on the audio platforms. Is there anything else anyone wants to point to? No, I think, I think that would be good to, to finally get that one out. I think me and Aaron done that about a month ago. And then there should be a Man United one that uh, Vito and I and Aaron did um, a couple of weeks after that as well, which which should be good. Some some nice controversial opinions going on in there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think it'll be good to, to get some more keep or sales done as well. So please do let us know if you're enjoying the keep or sales once they do come out and we will uh, continue to make those and put those out on the YouTube channel in full full length as well because obviously we don't have clips now on youtube but i think they'll continue to go out uh, in full sorry so i think we'll we'll leave it there i think i think we've had a good episode today guys um so thanks to everyone for listening uh, luke and Vito, cheers for coming on and thank you we'll come back soon